Okay, welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Today, we have a super exciting episode. We are joined by my producer, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me on. Of course, I wanted everyone to meet you. Um, And I wanted you to come on to talk about my most exciting experience. I'm just kidding. But um, what our episode today is to talk about something that everyone wants to talk about, but no one wants to admit that they want to talk about it. And it's the situation of the sugar baby, sugar daddy lifestyle. Um, And at one point I worked for the company seeking arrangement. Do you remember that situation? I remember that. And I want to know all about it. I have so many questions. Well, let me talk about for one second, how I got to work for that company. So it's kind of a little bit of a crazy story. So I was actually flying to Chicago um, and I met this random woman who was, I'm not going to really get into that, but she was, I didn't know her. She had just lost her mother and I was very nice to her on the flight. We became somewhat friendly and we were, we got into talking about relationships and the fact that we had not met a man. She was um, a little bit older and, you know, I'm 48 at the time I was probably 46. Um, and she was talking to me about online dating and she said, have you ever been on seekingarrangement.com? And I said, I had not. She explained what the site was and she actually did not use the word sugar, baby, sugar, daddy. She just said, it's a site where you can type in all these things that you want. And it's men that are well off and it's not, you know, it's not like dating, uh, men who live with their parents or anything like that. And she said that she had had a couple relationships on the site that had, you know, been successful. And she said that I should join the site. So anyways, long story short, she helped me create an account. When I came back to Florida, we became friends, blah, blah, blah. And I started to see what the site was. And yes, it is a taboo site. When you turn, you know, when you log onto the site, it's very interesting. It is a site that is based on a sugar baby, sugar daddy concept, which means um, you know, what everybody finds a little bit taboo, which is you get to sort of um, ask for things that you wouldn't normally get to in an online dating profile. So there's Match and Tim, Tinder and Hinge and all these ones that I haven't been on. I've been on Match and a couple other ones. But, um, and those you put in your picture. Have you ever been online dating? Yes, I've done all of them. Okay, so, well, any online dating profile you can, you know, create and have a a bad story or a good story. And it's the same thing for for seekingarrangement.com as well. But on this one, I found it to be interesting because you could, you know, put in anything that you wanted. You could put in not only whether or not you want them to be successful, but you could put in what kind of a relationship you wanted. And I found that to be refreshing. I could say, you know, if I wanted, you know, I said that I was a single mother and I was only available a certain amount of time. I could say exactly what I wanted, like I was picking from a menu. And at this age, you know, I'm not 25 anymore. I know exactly what I want. And I found that to be really, you know, right up my alley. And on the other dating sites, I couldn't. So this um, became, you know, something that I found very interesting. And what is interesting about the site is that there's 40 million users on the site. I actually just looked up the um, stats right before we got online, but no one wants to talk about being on it because it's like too embarrassing because people get it really confused with being an escort site because they say that it's in exchange for money, which I can, well, I don't want to attest to the fact that it's not, but you know, there are obviously people that go around the edges and do bad things on any kind of site. Right. But for the most part, you know, that, that is really, and even working there, I can say that was not the premise of the site. Really the whole premise was that you get to ask for what you want and get what you want. And, and that really is what I felt, you know, the concept was of the site. So anyways, long story short, I started to meet some guys I went on some dates and I started dating men from the site. Um, This woman ended up getting jealous and long story short, called the Daily Mail and outed me, gave my profile to the Daily Mail and I was outed. And 
when the Daily Mail wrote the article, I gave my quote, which was, why are you trying to shame me? This is a dating site like any other. I know that I want to date a successful guy. I don't want to date some loser in the corner that lives in a basement with his mother. And, you know, I'm not going to be shamed for this. Like, what's the problem? And the CEO liked what I had to say so much. He offered me a job as her spokesman, oh my paid me $20,000 a month for a contract for long-term contract. And there we go. I made, you know, lemonade out of dirty lemons. And that was that. So that's how I got working <laughs> for seeking arrangement. And that was a whole, um, thing right there. But anyways, I wanted to um, have on a guest who could talk about what it's like to be a sugar baby and the difference between, you know, uh, what people get confused about being an escort or being a sugar baby. And there are different sites that you can go on, not just sugardaddy.com or seeking arrangement or all these sites. But even someone like you versus, you know, you don't have to be 25 can go on these sites and find a match. You know, I still yeah. believe, I mean, I'm no longer working for the company, but I do believe it's fair to, you know, go on a site and ask for what you want. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I totally agree with that. It's like cutting through the BS, like, well, I'm 45. So, and I know what I want and what I don't want because I didn't have the time to give them in a relationship. I was like you, I was like, I've got my kids. I've got this much time to give to a relationship. I too don't want to date someone who makes $7 an hour and lives in their parents' basement or something like that, because, you know, I've got enough kids to support. I don't need another one. <laughs> Yeah. Right, exactly. So I, I think that people are very judgmental about it. And I think that they should be educated about it. So that's why I really enjoyed talking to our next guest. So we did um, change her name so that she wasn't um, outed in this situation, because I do think that we can, you know, protect who she is. When I did this interview with Christina, I had a really great support system with me. I had a friend with me, Tim Story, who is a motivational speaker and a life coach who uh, I wanted his opinion on it because not only as a man, but somebody who I don't think supports this lifestyle, but I wanted him to hear her out and then have some thoughts on it at the end. So he sat with us during this interview and you'll get to hear his thoughts on it as well. So um, without further ado, let's hear this interview, which I'm so excited for you all to hear. Yay. Okay. So up next, I'm so excited to welcome Christina. She is coming on today to talk about sugar baby and sugar daddy relationships. She and I have known each other for the last couple months. And this topic has been something that is taboo for a lot of people. But first, we are going to start by going way back and talking about your childhood and how you got into this. And so first, I want to talk to you about where you're from and, you know, yeah. the, the beginning of time for you. Well, thank you. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that we were introduced because I'm sitting here with you today, which is a great honor. So thank you guys for inviting me. Um, so where did it all start? I, it definitely started from my childhood. Um, my mom and I and my father and my brother lived in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, at that time, my mom wasn't happy. She didn't want to live in Atlanta. She wanted to live the California dream and live in a luxury lifestyle um, in a wealthy neighborhood, you know, even though we were supposedly going to live above our means, she wanted that for us because she knew that that was safety for my brother and I. And so we, when I was 10 years old, we moved to California during the dot-com boom. My dad sort of won out a little bit enough for us to live in a very wealthy neighborhood. And were we the, the richest family on the block? No, but we definitely... We lived the life of that town in the East Bay. And I noticed that my mom had given us a better life by financially living above our means. So at that point, that's when I realized finance equals money, safety, and health. Right. And what was the relationship like between your parents? My dad and my mom got divorced when they moved to California. She actually ended up significantly getting more money than my father during the dot-com boom. However, my father was able to move out and move into his own apartment. And even though my mom had full custody of me, I chose to live with my father. And I stood up in court and I said, I want to live with him. 
because I wanted to learn about his infidelity and I knew that there was some good to that. There was something that he was doing. Maybe my mom wasn't in the right the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And so by moving in with him, I understood the lifestyle. And so my dad was, for lack of a better term, a sugar daddy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he dated girls that were half his age. Uh, most of them were from out of country that he would like, you know, move into his house with me. But I ultimately knew that my dad was a sugar daddy. And so, how old were you when you were seeing all this? 13. Okay. And to this day, I still think he is the coolest person ever <laughs> after that. Got because it. those women were the smartest women. They were so emotionally intelligent. Actually, they had a lot of the qualities that I knew of my mother. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of the, the emotional intelligence, the caretaker, the opinionated. These girls weren't, you know, the ones that he chose to be long-term women. I mean, he had the short-term. Mm -hmm. I saw them come and go in hours and never come back again. But the ones that really stuck around were really, really interesting women that reminded me of my mom. And when did you have your very first boyfriend? So my first boyfriend was when I was 18. After high school, I, I wasn't really a scholarly type, which is why I went to fashion school. And during fashion school, I found a minor league baseball player, which he was a nice guy. He was the nicest guy. He was a great looking guy. He was perfect on paper. Hits all the marks. The one thing he never had was money. And so I knew I can't, I'll never be happy. Because I realized my love language is gift giving. And I wanted somebody like my father who lived lavishly, who, you know, that was mm -hmm. what I knew. But more so, that's, you know, I saw from my mom just the the way that life had changed. So wait, I love this. Your your love language was gift giving. Yes. Meaning that you needed somebody to be giving you gifts or in giving you something. In order for me, something. my entire life, in order for me, and, you know, people are going to say, well, this is because... This is some trauma that you've had from your father. and da, da, da. It's like, okay, so what? Right. So do you. <laughs> I want to know what your love language is. And I can trace that back to what your dad did to you. So you want to do that? <laughs> but ultimately, yes, my love language is gift giving. And I've known that my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so in order for me to feel fully happy and successful in a relationship, I need to have that aspect of it. So you, moving on to your next boyfriend, then then who was it? On my 21st birthday, I met um, a very famous guy. Um, I had no idea what show he was a part of, um, but he was very, very famous. And where are you living at the time? Just so we get a picture. Still in the Bay Area. Okay. But he would fly me to Vegas mm -hmm. pretty much every weekend. And we were together for a good year and a half. That was a long-term one for me. And what did he do for a living? He's a TV show host okay. of a very, very famous TV show. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a taste of that lifestyle. I mean, he was able to pay for a lot of my bills. Whenever I hung out with him, we went to like the finest Michelin-starred restaurants. His car was a black matte Lambo. It felt like more aligned with what I w wanted long-term. Now, did you feel any sense of love from this man yes. as well? Yeah, we had an amazing emotional connection. Actually, I just talked to him like two nights ago. So you'll hear again and again as we talk that the men that have were long-term for me have stayed in my life mm -hmm. unless they broke it in some hor horrific way where I don't want to talk to them anymore and they're blocked. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, him and I are on good terms. And at that time, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We were mm -hmm. exclusive. Now, tell me how you actually got into, I mean, those are sort of young relationships. And, yeah, that was you know, when I was could, 19, so that's much younger than I am now. Right, so, and you can chalk that up to you were young, you were, you know, sort of replacing your, you know, father figure for these men. Probably. So now talk to me a little bit more how you got into the sugar baby, sugar daddy relationship. So when did that after, start? after that, when I was dating that um, actor, mm -hmm. I, I decided to move to L.A., because I'm like, that was the promised land. Mm -hmm. The land of like of everything that glamorous and perfect. Mm -hmm. And mostly, I, as I was driving here, even today, I was thinking, why did I choose L.A. because of L.A. or did I choose L.A. because of the men? Mm -hmm. And I think I chose L.A. because of the men. Wow. Um, and you weren't coming here for a job or I did. I did move here. For, I was working on Rodeo Drive. 
um, in retail and living in Hollywood. And I was making a retail salary. And it was cool because I went to fashion school and everyone thinks, oh, pretty woman, you know. Okay, yeah, you're making $9 an hour. Good Mm. luck. Good luck living in L.A. And was your dad giving you any money at My dad has never given me a dollar. Okay. My dad didn't give my mom alimony either. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you were really on your own. I've always been on my own. I've paid for all of my school on my own. That's 40 grand that I've paid off. From working? From sugaring. From sugaring. Okay, so we'll get to that. All right. So let's go on. I mean, I guess both. But when I make money, I usually, on my own, I spend it on, like, hair, makeup, and nails. Right. But when I make money from men, I usually put it toward investment. It's like my school loans or cars or mortgage, or not mortgage payments, lease, you know, down payments for a lease on an apartment. Right. Okay, so let's go back to it. So you're, you get to L.A., and how do you figure out about the sugar baby life? Yeah, so I was working on Rodeo Drive, and the story is a beautiful Korean lady. Well, not lady. She was like a girl. She was like 25, beautiful, very tall, probably 5'8", walked in with a guy with white hair. He was about 75, and he hands over the American Express black card to her and then gets on the phone and leaves the store. Then the Korean lady walks up, and it was me and my coworker, my gay best friend. I loved him to death. He was 43. I was 21. <laughs> so this is 10 years ago that I'm going to give away my age. How dare I? <laughs> but yeah, so I was 21, and my gay coworker <laughs> was just stunned that this had happened. And, and, and she goes, I want every shoe in my size, and I want you to rip up the receipt in front of me. And what did you say? Well, my gay best friend <laughs> said... How the fuck did you find that guy? (laughs) And she was like, how did you not know about the site? Because my gay best friend said, he goes, this girl has had devastating relationships since she got to L.A. and we need to help her out. Can we get her whatever you're doing and make sure that, you know, she's doing it right? And she said, oh, it's seekingarrangement.com. And you immediately go and write this down. No, I (laughs) was in horror. I, how dare you? I'm not doing that. That was my immediate response. Really? I, yeah, we had an elevator up to the top floor. I literally remember getting in the elevator like, I don't want to hear this conversation. I was disgusted. Almost. Wow. Yeah. So that's how against it I was back then. And why did you think it was not for you? Because I think that, you know, when my dad like outright paid a woman, mm-hmm. it was never the same as it was for a long term relationship. Right. Oh, because you saw that as being a hooker. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I had seen, Mm -hmm. you know, with my own two eyes. And you had seen that as your father. You saw the difference in him paying a hooker and him having a girlfriend. Yes. Okay. When when some of them were all set up to be a hooker, but maybe one of them lasted because she was funny and cool and actually he wanted to hang out with her. Right. Long term. And that became a much long... And those, those women would make a shit ton more money. Right. So... Yeah, I, I didn't want to be that girl. I, I was very against being that girl. I wanted to be the Bonnie and Clyde. I wanted to be the partner in crime that I knew myself even. In a weird way, like I felt like with my dad, I was always his partner. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to be seen as that girl. Right. And so that's why I was disgusted. But this woman that you're talking about in the store, she didn't come off as being no. a hooker. <laughs> Not at all. She was so well put together. She was where it, she was tall and she was just had a very strong appearance strong personality mm-hmm. and not in a way that was contrived she was just naturally a very cool woman mm-hmm. she had pretty much everything i i looked up to her when she walked in i really did take away the guy i still would have felt that way mm. so anyway my my coworker said listen i don't care how you're reacting right now we need to go get a two buck chuck from trader joe's go home create a profile for you. I'll create the profile, okay? And we're just going to see how it goes. And no, you know, for him to say it, I'm always, I was always, okay, fine, I'll just do it. So we'd go, we make the profile. The next morning, I had 178 messages. And this was 10 years ago. So it was a very new, a new site, a new site. I was probably one of the first 200 users, or I I believe I was one of the first 100 women on Seek Arrangement. So I just remember laying in bed and going, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. 
So I went through. I just started looking, and, you know, they had all the photos, and they had their net worth, their annual, which it still has today, mm-hmm. and then um, a little about me and what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I had never seen before. We didn't have Bumble or Tinder back then. There was maybe Match, which no girl my age would have done anyway. Right. So I finally had, like, a place online where I could find a man. Right. And it was well put, like, put together. The website, the platform wasn't confusing to me. Right. And, and and what did you put on your profile at first to make uh, them well look it at was you? my gay coworker who wrote that oh, for me. <laughs> However, I did choose the photos and I um so I'm very good. I'm very good friends with one of my first sugar daddies and he sent me all of my first photos. They I used to be blonde and mm-hmm. they were they were great though. Um none of them I was never promiscuous. Mm-hmm. I never th- thought of it bottom line. To me it was always a dating site. Mm-hmm. It was a dating site. It was mm-hmm. to find a best friend. And so I n- never, and I'm not comfortable wearing bikinis on in a photo. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not, I'll never be that girl. Mm-hmm. I was in my, like, shopping. I was with my mom. And if, like, I had, like, my family in my pictures, which I would never do now. But it showed my my true lifestyle. And none of them, back then, there was no filtering. And right. so it was truly me. And But it still was probably pretty refreshing for these people looking on these sites because a lot of those girls were probably quite slutty, for lack of a better word. I'm absolutely they, certain of it. Yeah, they were on that site to find a one-night stand or a flat-out sugar daddy, and you probably came out there looking much more innocent. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that at the time. I had no idea what was going on. Right. So my first date, he he drove up in a black Lambo, suicide doors, was 35, looked just like Scott Disdick, and was really like a dream date. Well, wait, back up. So how did you pick him? So I went through and I found guys with the photo, and I wanted the net worth to be very high. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go on there and think, you know, there was guys that had the two mil, one mil, and I'm like, no, I'm going to shoot for the stars, baby. Land on well, the so let's talk about that because I'm also on the site, as you know. Yeah. And I think people get caught up and they look at the annual versus the net worth. And, you know, they, they get caught up in that. But the, the net worth on that site is what makes that site different than other sites. And the yep. net worth really shows what these guys are worth. And this is why you choose that amount to look for the guys or to filter for these guys, right? Yeah, net worth is everything. Net worth is your network. <laughs> yes. So, okay, so you picked based on the the guys that were worth the most on this site. Yeah. Even back then. Yeah, I mean, okay. for 50 mil for a 35-year-old, I was, listen, I was 20, 21, but I was smart. Okay. I was smart like a 45-year-old. I've always been street smart. You know, have me sit down in a classroom, I don't do so well. <laughs> But um, when it comes to, like, people and understanding, I do understand the way that the world works. And money does kind of run the world. Sorry. I think that. And how old was this guy? 35. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So did you believe that what he wrote, that he was worth Yeah, that because back then there was no pushback. Mm-hmm. Nobody had anything negative to say about it. Nobody even knew about it. Right. I had nothing. To, I had nothing going against what I was doing that night. Now, I had him pick me up at my place. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, I got very lucky. But he listened to what I liked. He brought me to Boa Steakhouse, private chef dining room. I told him I liked comedy shows. He had me meet Dane Cook, a VIP showing. I told him I liked spending my mornings at the W Hotel rooftop. He bought me my own suite that he didn't stay with me in. At the W Hotel, it was like the high roller, mm-hmm. and I had a I had an envelope on the nightstand. And did you have to do anything? There was no with him. No, he he actually he chose to drop me off, and he didn't ask for anything. And I knew what we were gonna see. He wasn't ghosting me. There wasn't that happening. I knew that we were gonna see each other again. He really just I could tell at that point that he was so respectful from our conversation at dinner. He was one of the most respectful, endearing, honest, genuine, like concerned listener of any date that I've ever had. Mm. And I knew that he had very high integrity and that he himself wouldn't want to cheapen the relationship. Right. I was certain at that point that he wanted to see me again. 
and that there was more than just that would have been really cheapening the night right if he had asked to do that so all right so now we can get into general conversation about this thing um, yes in general i yes. think that a lot of people mistake sugar baby and sugar daddy dating because they think that it is borderline hooking and yeah. i think that in general i th i think that i'd like to ask you you know how you draw the fine line because i think you're very good at um figuring out how to not yeah. exchange money for sex and you do a really good job of of making that clear and how to go on a date and really draw the line and go on a date and not do anything intimate with somebody. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it, you know, we can, we can draw it back to my father and knowing the difference. Mm -hmm. um, don't cheapen yourself first. You know, yeah. if you come out with your boobs hanging out, there are some girls on seeking arrangement that are my good friends that I know verbally, like we talk just like you and I are today mm -hmm. and they're great people. You know, they're very emotionally intelligent, love them. And then they show me their seeking arrangement profile and it's, it's all n almost nudes. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, of course, the man is going to think that's what you're out for. Right. And that's how they can be treated, right? I yes. mean, if you represent yourself that way, the man's going to probably think they can treat you that way. Yes. Too. If, but that's not even who they are. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's like, what are you doing? You know, you're just, you're ruining it for yourself from the start. Right. So, and also get on the phone. Yeah. Call the guy. Create that chemistry before you even meet them. Check in make sure mm -hmm. that, you know... If you want to be a sex worker, by all means, I have nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I, I know some girls who are. That's good. Do that. Mm -hmm. But if you really are out for an emotional connection, which I've always wanted because I am a hopeless romantic and I also am really bad at acting on dates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Me like too. diarrhea at the mouth. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I, I definitely like think that if you want the emotional connection, you have to really think about who you are first. What are you looking for? What is your goal? What's your end all goal? Mm -hmm. If you're just out for the money, there is another way to go about it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But if you really want long-term financial gain from a man, and I know this from the back of my hand, do not do quick, quick dollars. You are going to make so much less you can get make 1k today but you'll never see that guy again right so for example people that have been on seeking arrangement uh, com or any other sites like that will know that there's a lot of this conversation about pay per meet um, and that means for people that don't know um, that that men will join the site and women will join the site and it'll say you know I'd like to meet you on Wednesday night and it's five hundred dollars PPM. And that to me sounds like sex work, sort of, or meeting yeah. up for hooking purposes. It can be. And it might be meeting up for a cup of coffee and they'll give you $500. I don't. Yeah, you should I never do talk about stuff. it before. Yeah. I, I don't do stuff like that because, first of all, I'll never go meet somebody for a cup of coffee for $500. <laughs> I would get nervous about that anyway. But I'm in it for <clears throat> a, a relationship, you know? So, and I would be in it for an agreement. Now let's talk about agreements. How I think a lot of listeners would want to know from you, who I consider an expert, how do you talk about an arrangement or an agreement with somebody? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, you want to, I usually FaceTime them. Don't ask them for money before you meet them. And the girls who call me and say, how do you get such good looking billionaires who give you the world? Well, it's because I don't ask for 500 for a coffee meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's start there. Okay. Maybe if you're asking for $1,000 to go to coffee for 15 minutes, that guy is going to be desperate and weird. Right, exactly. <laughs> those are the ones that are never going to give you those real are the, money. Those, those are, are the creepy, that's what the girls call a toad. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, okay, so that's, let's change that first. So I think ultimately getting on the phone establishing for me I had a great success story for my first date I usually bring that into it and when I'm helping my friends who are new to the sugar bowl I tell them even if you've never been on a date before tell them what you say that you you used to have a sugar daddy off the site you never used the site before but you had somebody who was taking care of you and this is what he was giving you every month Mm -hmm. That way you take him out of it. But ultimately, 
I always say this was my first date and this is how it went. He ended up giving me like $10,000 a month. If it scares off the guy, the guy is scared off. Right. I don't get upset about that. I don't get mad at him. I don't try to pull someone into a situation where they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just never move on. Yeah, you just move. There are so many men on that site. Mm-hmm. The, there's many, many fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. Just move on. So I do establish that on the phone before I even meet them. I try to, you know, take it off the site. I try to make sure that I even like the guy first before even talking about the money. And do you think of this as a job? Like, are you putting enough time into this as a job? It depends on where I'm at in my life. $10,000 a month doing this? It's always been a supplement, Mm -hmm. but I definitely couldn't live the lifestyle I've had without that income. Right. I can't see my life without it. And have you had any bad stories, horror stories? Only from Bumble. Really? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Bumble's, Bumble and Tinder is very unsafe. Why is that? Seeking Arrangement has a great vetting system. They read every single message that's coming in and out. And they, they have that you have the filtering. They have, you can, if you really are concerned about safety, they have the diamond members who are already verified by their income and everything is solid. Mm-hmm. Bumble, they can make up who they are. They can make up the whole, the whole profile and right. Tinder. Right. So and it's also just based on a photo, right? I mean, you really don't photo. know who anybody one is. One photo, they, could be a catfish. they pretended they had five mil. It doesn't even say that. You know, it doesn't yeah. even have their income. It just no, says they maybe. they living with their mother for all you know. Yeah, just because they were a rock star when, in 1995 and a famous band doesn't mean that they have any money right now. <laughs> okay, right. This, this is the horror story in February. I'm like, okay, <laughs> guy was like a major rock musician. I'm like so excited for the date. He lives in a shack and it was during quarantine and quarantine really got me off my regular standards, I have mm-hmm. to say, with dating. So I, <laughs> we drive up, his car was, it was a BMW from like 2013 or something. <laughs> <laughs> we drive up. God like, forbid. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just hung me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we drive up and the, it was like a cottage like really it was just small and honestly the whole date was a disaster the guy was a total socio like psychopath <laughs> and um, and that was a preceding another horrible relationship that I or not a relationship but a date that I had from a matchmaking agency in New York it's just it was tumbling and I could not wait to get home and get back on CK. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really good at weeding out these guys and finding what we call these whales. Um, how, how, yeah. how, what would you suggest to people that are listening to find the right guys that are, you know, if they want to be living this kind of life, this sugar baby life, how would you suggest that they find these men that they can sift easier through the site to find them? Yeah. So I have been like coaching certain girls on just how to, you know, be a part of the life and actually do it right. Yeah. Um, and so I will say, what are you, what are your favorite characteristics about yourself? Name me five aspects of you that you really like. Mm-hmm. And usually, well, I have really pretty hair. I work out every day. I always, okay, rewind. We're starting over. <laughs> Tell me five characteristics that are unique about yourself that nobody else has. Now go. Some girls aren't even that pretty, but they're funny and they're cool and they have stories and they're inspiring to these men because these men are whole businesses. These are very intelligent men. They want an intelligent conversation. Right. I mean, even if you're a softer personality, you still have unique characteristics about yourself. So lead with that. So I think this is good. I think people need to realize that women do not need to feel like, number one, they need to be dating older men to be like, to be in a sugar baby, sugar daddy relationship. Mm -hmm. You can find younger men and you definitely don't need to be trading sex for money because number one, that's illegal. And number two, (laughs) you definitely don't need to be in bed with somebody to be making these arrangements that you should be thinking of this as a long-term relationship that you're going to get into. And that somebody is going to hopefully be supporting you almost like in a marriage, because that's what that kind of relationship is because they should be giving you something to get something else, which is your affection, your time. Right. Um, and you you want that kind of relationship and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but a lot of people 
that are listening might have a problem with that because, well, for many reasons, there's so many stigmas and taboos in that. Now, Tim, as a man, how are you feeling listening to all this? <laughs> I think it's, a, it's an interesting story. And I mean, I like her as a person. You just oh, a, well, thank you. You're just a good person. Oh, say more. You can really tell that, though, from listening to <laughs> no, her, yeah, right? She's, I mean, she's a good person. So I think that, you know, obviously a lot of us are, are raised in a certain way where we think that life should go a certain way. And that is, like, you get married to somebody, mm -hmm. and the whole idea is you, you fall in love no matter how much money you have. You find things in common, and then you have children, and you get old together, retire, yeah. and move on. So, you know, that's how some people think. But I think that your story is obviously different, and it's outside the box. Right. But, you know, life is evolving. Life is changing. And so who are we to judge how you think and what is working for you? I ultimately think that anyone can find their successful relationship. Like, what is your successful relationship and how do you define that. I think one of the challenging things for for me would the fact that I have power and I do have money um, is that I want, as a man, I want to be loved for me. And that's one reason I have such big boundaries because I started doing very well early in life because of the career that I have. And so I was always wondering, like, what is this person's motives? So for the way I think about life, I want to be loved. I want to be appreciated for me and not so much what I have, what I've done, where I live and who I know. What I find valuable and what I think is, is amazing is, is rarely in the financial side. Like I, I think of, I mean, this sounds crazy, but Nelson Mandela was not necessarily the richest guy in South Africa, but the guy like helped change so many people's lives. I mean, Mother Teresa was not a supermodel like a lot of girls that I know, but <laughs> but but she's very very valuable. So to me, in 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 living a long time and seeing people at their highest and at their lowest, I think that there's so much value in communication, connection a real bond that has nothing to do with the way I've lived in Beverly Hills. I think that ultimately you can kind of feel that out. You know when somebody is emotionally connected to you. You can tell on the first date, no matter what. And you can, you can tell on the first, you know, even if you meet another guy who's out to just network with you. You can tell. And when you know that they're out for that, that's when you cut it. And that's why I tell these girls, if you're just, if it's money before emotional connection, you'll never have success because this is an opportunity to meet people, network, but at the end of the day, you're going to be on the couch with them watching TV and you're going to want that person to be your best friend. Yeah. I mean, for me, who, who has not been that exposed to this subject is I think it's, it's another lane that's obviously out there. And I think that this conversation that we're having with Rachel is just bringing it to light in a different way. And it's, it's very, very interesting to me, Rachel, to hear it from the inside. Well, it's interesting because you've obviously been able to have relationships where you found a connection without having to take care of somebody. And if you've found a relationship with a connection with somebody, maybe that's just come naturally. You know, if you meet someone, you fall in love with them, you're the one that's been more successful in the life. You probably end up taking care of that one um, just because that's your nature or that's the situation, right? That's true. That's but very so true. I'm curious, mm -hmm. has anyone ever come up to you and and acted like the sugar baby and been like, hey, okay, so I'd like you to take care of me? All the time. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so what, how does that go down? Well, I think the thing is, is that because I was raised by like a single mother and three older sisters, there's like a respect that I have for women that I think is unusual mm -hmm. that some men do not have. But when I started to become very well known in Beverly Hills is, you know, you had some very beautiful women coming after you. And the whole idea was 
take care of me. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was very foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did it feel good? I, I would way? I would say that it was the the fact that I probably lead more by my personality and my sense of humor rather than my looks. So it it was flattering, but it was also confusing. Yeah, but and it's so, flattering, I'm sure. Yeah, so it was it was a, it was an interesting thing to me. I think that you know there are so many different lanes and paths in life. This is just one that some people choose. But I've also seen it on the flip side. I know a lot of really good-looking guys in Hollywood and Beverly Hills that are taken care of by older women. Oh, totally. Oh, yes. For there a is. long time. Oh, yeah. There is that, yes. And that's that's very prevalent here in L.A. I'm, it's very prevalent in New York as well and London. Yeah. Um, one yeah, of my good friends is, a gay, is not a gay man, but he's, in, he's a sugar baby mm-hmm. and he's straight. I do think that most of the girls on Seeking Arrangement um, that are out for love and not money see your personality first no matter what. And so I know in Beverly Hills, there's very there's so much good-looking men. There's a lot of those. It's a dime a dozen, just like it is for a man. And so we see it the same way. And we want we want that emotional connection. We want a guy to be funny and charismatic and have manners. We want the older guy who has manners, who knows how to be chivalrous, who knows how to be a gentleman. And that, that's usually- like Can I tell you my man. challenge with that though? Yeah. Is that Rachel knows this. So, so part of what I'm known for is I've been life coaching people for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. So my doctorate is in world religion. And then I've been a therapist for over 30 years. And most men are bullshitting. And yeah. they're they're living a lot of different lives. And so I know that because of life coaching the most powerful men in this city, that they may be making one woman feel a certain way, but they're doing the same to two or three others. Yeah. But it does go both ways. So I think it's very, very easy to play that role of I'm this guy, and then I took her to Barney's, and then I did this, and then... Yeah. Oh my God! So then I knew so and so. So we took his helicopter too. I mean, I've been around this for it's days. It's a small, it's a small place. Um, but yeah, you ultimately can tell. And the best thing about like seeking arrangement is that you have an ability and a platform to say I'm dating other people, yeah. and it's it's in a place where it's okay. So like, to um, me, this is not about talking about that particular yeah, yeah. formula or company right. or site. Yeah. But my point is this, is depth, is I think that deep calls out to deep. And at the end True. of the day, if I was life coaching you, I see a whole lot of depth that I would like to pull out of you. <laughs> I really I really would. What did I sign up for today? <laughs> no, no. I, it's, it's just how I, it's how I see you. Because I think that this idea... Part of my life is dealing with billionaires as, yeah. as a life coach. I've been to 75 countries doing this, okay? And I think that, okay, so you got the billionaire, then I, I will not deal with somebody underneath this certain this. thing, okay? No judgment, because I tell you again, I like you. But I think your strength, my gosh, you're a leader, you're an entrepreneur, you're like gonna just kick butt in your own right. I think these silly boys could be in your way. (laughs) They literally could be standing in your way. They may have done that. I would rather move their butts out of the way, Yeah. life coach you for 12 months, and then say, hey, see you at the top. Mm. Because that's what I think, because I think otherwise, sometimes you're being enabled by somebody who really is getting in your your way, and they become your ceiling. Well, I did say to to her, to mm. you, Christina, that, you know, what happens if, because you're going month to month or day to day, sort of yeah. not knowing what's going to happen next. And if somebody right. doesn't show up, so to speak, for you, you, you like, you don't have a job right now or whatever. Like, so, so you do depend on these men showing up for you. Yeah. I mean, once I left my tech job last year, I've been a full-time just sugar, sugar baby. baby. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a year of that. I've never done this before where I didn't have a career. And it's been a life-altering experience. Mm-hmm. But I could say this, Rachel, that I don't blame her. If she's sitting in a designer store, she sees this gentleman leave the store, mm-hmm. give the black card, and then 
the lady can do what the heck she wants. Yes. Yeah. And you're making only so much money and, you know, driving a car that you would rather not drive. Yeah. And you go, I may have what she's having. So I, I, I see the, the possibility of, oh, crap, that might be an interesting it's way. It's the American dream, isn't it? It, it? it is. And, it, and it's a lot of hard work. I mean, I have friends also that literally do this to supplement their life because they have right. to. They have kids. They have bills to pay. They don't have you know, ex-husbands that pay them a lot of money and they're stressed and they are going from date to date to date on Sugar Daddy, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, any Sugar Daddy site or Matchmaker or whatever it yeah. is. And I think ultimately they want to find love, but it's, they're trying to find something that supplements an income kind of. Yeah. But it is, there are days where it's not worth it. Right. And women put themselves in danger all for, I, all I for have, money. And, yeah. and it's not just for money to put in their pocket to get their hair done. It's because they are single mothers or they're putting themselves on the line because they have to pay bills, you know? Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of them are going through that. And it's been, and especially during the pandemic, it was it was because they were trying to supplement income. Yeah. And and also, I have had a career where I was making 100 grand. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, I was living above my means probably, and I always have been. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten comfortable with having that supplemental income. Mm-hmm. And um, now, like, having a, you know, a higher position at 250 a year rather than 100 and make that money on my own would have caused a lot more stress for myself. And so that's kind of where I go, no, I'd rather this job and then have sugaring. Right. But at some point which is probably like now or next year, I want to find somebody who can afford all of that and I can have my job and it's consistent because right now I don't feel consistency and without that, it doesn't feel right. It feels kind of like a temporary Do you mind if I add something from my life coaching side? See, again, I think that some things we do, as you've heard, you've heard this before, for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, Okay. So we've, we've all had chapters of our life. Rachel's have chapters. I've had chapters. You've had chapters in your life. So maybe this is a, a chapter or chapters in your life that has given you exposure to what you want and do not want. Because as I read you, I just see you as an entrepreneur mm, that can kick butt wherever you land. <laughs> if I put you in Marbella, Spain, I think you would just like, run three companies. Yeah, she'll figure it out for yeah, sure. Yeah, she'll figure it out. So I have moved nine times. <laughs> yeah, so so part so part of the thing that I'm thinking in my opinion is that I feel that you're not pulling out some of your potential and I think that there's so much potential there and that sometimes we have to play these silly games yeah to get what we want, including me. So for me as a black man in Beverly Hills who's lived in amazing houses as a young black man, I had to play little games to fit in. Does that make sense? Or if you're in entertainment, you have to put up with silly people to get the job or to fit in. But I think that you come to a place in your life where you say, kind of the hell with that. Yeah. I'm going to be me. And I say it this way. The real you makes a demand on the you that you become. Because I think we've all been there in life where we just like, this is not me. Right. And I do want to say one other aspect of it for the people that are listening and may take away that you are the aggressor on there looking through the men and picking them. Mm -hmm. You know, these men have signed up for this and they know what they're getting themselves into. Right. And a lot of these men have their own psychological issues because half of these men won't even meet these women that they are paying for. Um, You know, they have um, social phobias. They have whatever issues are going on. So they will do things like they live in the Midwest or whatever, for example, <laughs> and they will they will just want to have some sort of a connection and literally feel like they're taking care of someone and send them money, send them cars, <laughs> send them things to take care of them and, and genuinely do it because it makes them feel good to take care of someone. It makes them feel good to be needed yeah. because they have their own issues with themselves and they want to be a sugar daddy. It's a very common thing. So like when I'm life coaching people and I'll say to a man on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel about your job? 10, your finances, 10, uh, your emotional life, two. Mm. 
because what happens if you put so much energy towards one thing, like just dominating in the area of money, a lot of these guys are like dwarfs in the area of their emotions. Right. And yeah. I think that that's a challenging thing for a smart woman down the line. Yeah. So maybe she'll get all that stuff. Yeah. Okay? And, and I mean, I'm not putting down Tommy uh, Matola, but that's what Mariah's story is. She's like, okay, so I got all this stuff and then I could not connect to this person. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that happens a lot, Rachel, and people that we know. Yeah. That they, they marry these powerful men and then they feel like, I got nothing in common with this guy. And that's actually the conversation you and I had because right. you, and tell me if you don't want me to talk about this, but you uh -huh. have recently met someone yeah. who has obviously a lot of money, has obviously a social phobia and won't come out of his house, but is sending you a lot of nice things. And I said, <laughs> well, this guy sounds like a great long-term relationship for you, but because he has such a social phobia, probably won't be a long-term person for you because you won't be able to have that connection, even though the money is there, he wants to take care of you, he's very nice. But you can't end up having a long-term relationship with someone if they can't have that um, physical connection, even if they have all the things that make you feel secure yeah. and have the money and the stability and all the things that you think you can live in a palace. The money uh, and the stability. You'll, you'll rather be on, a, on the street poor. Because, I'd rather do what I'm doing now. Yeah, you'd rather start from the beginning because you have to be attracted to them. Yeah. I think like what I said before is the lifestyle has to be the same. Can I say something about relationships? I think that even from the male perspective, of of who I would date or who a man dates who even if they do well is that we have to be so careful who we connect to because if their standard is not high in so many other areas and I, I break it down this way Rachel knows this that there's like three levels of living almost most and utmost almost means not quite nearly barely that's how you did not like living but somebody else most may not be your most. So their most may be, okay, I'm worth $7 billion. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> but you're not very funny. You're not very smart. Now you're really starting to bore me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that we all have to be careful so we don't get stuck in somebody else's view of what the most life is. Right. And then you got to now live in that. Rachel's been there. I've been there, and now I'm hearing you've been there. Yeah. So I think that that's, for all the people that are listening right now, <laughs> I think that's super great advice. I've fallen into the trap of what is her most, what is her successful relationship. And, you know, looking at that Korean lady who walked into Rodeo Drive, mm -hmm. that was the dream. And But was it? And was it the dream? And it wasn't maybe so much. Mm -hmm. Did I see a... An, emotional connection that day no and that is Im imperative for me to be happy i need to have the emotional part right. in order for me to live happily right and i think everyone wants their own happily ever after yeah all right well christina thank you so much for joining us thank today you. it was so great and i think um that everyone now can hopefully understand this uh, sugar baby, sugar daddy lifestyle a little bit better and that the taboos and myths surrounding it were clarified a little bit. Yeah. And um, we'd love to have you back. So I really enjoyed having you here. I'm Absolutely. Sure I definitely, you know, I'm here to demystify the whole idea of sugaring and understanding what it's all about. And maybe I've made my own mistakes, but um, we can all talk about it and yep. explore it further. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you.